So Christmas is coming. Two weeks from today. How many of you are feeling ready for Christmas? Okay, if you're, if you're like me, you ask somebody else. Dear, are we ready for Christmas? Because <laughs> I don't. I, I know there are Christmas trees up. Anybody got their Christmas tree up? Yep, we got a few people with Christmas tree up. Uh, per presents that are purchased. At least some of them are purchased, uh, wrapped and placed under the tree. Right? We're, no, not yet. Okay, so we, we still got two weeks. Uh, but just so you know, guys, you know, Christmas is, <laughs> is in two weeks. Um, and, you know, next, this coming Friday, it, because of Christmas, we are, there's a school Christmas concert. Uh, that's going to be, at, I think, 630 at the school. We could be praying for that. But if you have nothing to do, you'd like to come watch a Christmas concert, that'd be great. Uh, uh, December 24th, we have our own Christmas Eve service here at 6 o'clock. I'm sure Nicole would be just as happy if you had something you would like to do to add to the service. Let us know. We'll stick it in the bulletin. Then you can get up here and bless the Lord with whatever music or whatever reading that you want to do. So anyway, so Christmas time is coming. Chances are pretty much everybody in this room is going to get a Christmas present from somebody, right? It's, it's a tradition. It's that, it's, it's that, it's that time of year where you get a Christmas present. Um, but have you ever received a Christmas gift or any kind of gift for no reason at all? Anybody, can you think of something that you received for no reason at all? It wasn't connected with a thank you. It wasn't connected with a, a holiday or a, um, or a tradition or anything like that. Just out of the blue, here's a gift just for you. Is it, can you think of something like that? Well, I, I got one of those uh, on Friday. Uh, it's, it's actually out there. I got it from Darren. Darren and Nicole, this, this old test, this whole world map that fits on this. And it talks, it starts with Adam and Eve. And it talks about this is what was going on. This is the length of lives people lived. And there's other history that is included. I would encourage you to go look at that. Now, I had no idea that this was coming. I mean, Darren did mention on at the Deacon meeting on Tuesday that, that there, he had something for me. But before that point, I had no idea that this was coming. All I knew was that I was going through my life. Everyday life, just the same as it was. I was going to work. I was going home. I was sleeping. And my life was revolving just as it has always done. But then Darren and Nicole show up on Friday and say, hey, look at this. And I'm, I'm super excited. And what do you do with a gift like that? You know, I put it up so that everybody could see it. But I got it excited. I started taking pictures of it and sending it to people. Hey, you got to see this. This is so cool. And not everybody's into history. But when I look at it like this, I am totally excited about it. But it was unexpected. And today we're going to be talking about an unexpected gift that God gave to man. And, and it was a, something that was kept secret for a long time, and it's considered a mystery. And we're going to be looking at what a mystery is in just a few minutes. But God kept his secret, and he revealed it at just the right time, kind of like Darren did. He knew he had this gift for me. He had to get online or, like, search this all out, look online, order this, wait for UPS or FedEx to hurry up and get it here, and then drive here and say, voila, here you go. He knew it was coming. I didn't. It was kind of like a mystery. And God had a mystery. We're going to be looking at that. And so we're going to start with just right off the bat. You know, when you, we're going to look at here's what the mystery is. I'm going to open the present and say, hey, look, here it is. But then we're going to go back and say before we knew this mystery, it was hidden. And then we're going to see what do we do with this mystery now that the package has been opened and we have it in our hands. What do we do with it? 
So first of all, we're just going to start with, here's the gift, right off the bat, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. It says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Now, in the NIV, this passage we're looking at today, the word mystery shows up four different times. Now, when you hear the word mystery, you're probably thinking of it in the, in the way of a whodunit. You know, you're watching, you're reading that novel, you're watching that mystery, you're trying to see who was it that committed the crime. Who, 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 who knocked somebody off? Who stole it? How did they do it? Right? That's the kind of mystery you get your popcorn for. You, you, you cuddle up close to somebody because you're scared how it's going to turn out. But it's not that kind of mystery. We're not looking at something we have to figure out. We're trying to, we are, it's a mystery in that it hasn't been revealed yet. And, and about every case in the Bible when the word mystery is brought up, it's referring to some sacred thing, hidden or secret, which is naturally unknown to man. Man. man doesn't just naturally recognize this uh, and is only known by revelation from God. That's what a mystery is. And we're talking about that kind of mystery that God knew ever since before the beginning of time. He knew this was coming. Did you know it was coming? I had no idea. But when God said this is the right time, I'm going to make it known. So once again, this mystery is that through the gospel, the good news that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment for your sins, that the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body. Now, for us, this is not really life-altering. It's not life-shattering. We look and say, yes, the gospel is for everybody, and it's everybody can be included, Jew or Gentile. But back then, it wasn't necessarily that way. Paul's been writing to the church of Ephesians, and uh, the, the couple weeks that we were spending on this before Psalms 103, he talks about in verses 11 through uh, 13 how you have the haves, well, the Jews who had everything in Christ or in, in, in God, and you have the have-nots. Is that ringing a bell? Haves and the have-nots? And they, they were on two separate pages. And there was something that was between them, between the Jews and the Gentiles that was keeping them from getting along. Does anybody know what that was? It's a three-letter word. It was the law. The Jews had the law, and they thought themselves something special. God loved us. He gave us the law. We're his people. Those Gentiles didn't have it. Apparently, God does not love them that much. And the Gentiles have no idea that they don't have this law. They don't have no idea about God. And Jesus destroyed that barrier between them and said, together, through the gospel, you all have the same need. You all need salvation. Salvation. We're going to start you on the same platform and we're going to give you all the gospel and it, through Jesus you have salvation. You're joined together to be the body of Christ. The universal church throughout all of history of time since the church began. So this was a truth that is going to be, that was made known at this point. They know it, we look at it, and we know it, but they didn't know it back then. And it was made known to them. Oh, we're looking, first of all, at Paul. In Acts, you know, if you're, we went through the book of Acts, a very famous story about Paul on the road to Damascus. And while he's on the road to Damascus, there's this bright light. He hears his voice from heaven. It's Jesus talking to him. And he finds out that, first of all, that Jesus really is real. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But it, through that conversation with Jesus, he finds out that the gospel message is 
isn't just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles as well. Thankfully, as you go through the book of Acts, you find several accounts of this, so you get a little bit bigger picture. The revelation is becoming a little bit clearer. The mystery is becoming a little bit clearer. In Acts chapter 26, verses 17 and 18, Jesus told Paul, I am sending you to them, to the Gentiles, and to also to the Jews, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul, at that point, was learning that, voila, the gospel is not just for the Jewish people. It is for everybody. It was made known to him by revelation through Jesus. Paul didn't learn it in a synagogue. He didn't learn it in Bible school. He didn't learn it from his parents. He learned it directly from God himself. In Galatians chapter 1, uh, verse 12, uh, let me see here. How about verse 11? I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel that I preach is not something that man made up. Verse 12 says, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul receives the mystery, the revelation of this mystery from Jesus Christ himself. Like I said, that's not life-changing to you. You grew up in it. If you've heard the gospel, you've, you've already known this is for you. But for the Jewish people, I've said it probably a dozen times in the last six years, they looked at Gentiles as fuels for the fire of hell. No longer were they going to do that. They were now going to look at them as fellow members in Christ. The Gentiles, they really didn't see a point to life. They really didn't see it as sacred or important. And so no longer were they going to think, What's the big deal about life? Such as the guy who was who was mad that he was born, so he went and killed himself. That was his reason. I'm mad that I'm alive. I'm going to kill myself. There's there's a pointless life. Now they, they have the hope of eternal life. They have purpose in life. So for them, this, this mystery that's being made known was mind-blowing. It was astronomical. Now all of a sudden, everybody can have this relationship with God, but I also can have peace with everybody else. But Paul wasn't the only one who received this mystery, this information. It says in verse 5 that, uh, that, let me read it to you. The mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. The apostles and the prophets were also receiving this themselves. You think about one guy named Philip. He, or, I mean, I'm sorry, one guy named Peter uh, in Acts chapter 11. He was, he was praying, and he's in this trance, and there's this sheet that's let down from heaven with all kinds of four-footed animals. And, and a voice from heaven said, kill and eat. Peter says, there's no way I'm eating that. I've never let my lips touch unclean things. I'm not going to start now. And God says, how dare you? You don't call anything unclean if I say this is clean. And through that, Peter learned a very important lesson. He, he learned that I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and who do what is right. That means every Jew who's willing to turn to Jesus can have salvation and they can become part of God's family. But the Gentiles as well can be included into God's family. That's, so Paul has learned this. Other people have learned this. But there are a group of people who don't know this. 
and that's what needs to be made known. You think about Darren. Now, uh, Darren was the guy who knew this gift was coming. I don't know how excited he was. I don't know if he's like, this is the coolest thing. Is I know Josh is going to love this, but he knew the mystery. He knew this was coming. It just wasn't revealed yet. I had no idea. We're going to think about that in terms with God. God knew since ages past, this gift is coming. It's getting closer. I'm excited to give out this gift. I'm going to open it at just the right time. But And, and that's what he did. But it, before he made it known, did man know about this? Before Darren showed up, did I know about this gift? I had no idea that this is what was coming. So now we're going to, we, we know what the mystery is. Now we're going to move backwards and say, at some point, this was not known. It was hidden. Uh, verse, let me read verse 4b and 5. It says, I mean, well, I'll just start at verse 4. It says, In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed. So it was not known in the past. God already knew it. God had it planned. He just wasn't revealing it. We look and say we already know it, but they didn't. In, in Colossians 1.26, it says, This mystery that has been kept hidden from ages and generations. You know, you think about the history of the Old Testament as we've been reading through it in Sunday school class. And I'm, I'm totally happy that we have done that. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with it. I was a little bit nervous starting out and, and going through it, but I feel like it's, it's been such a, a wonderful thing. But as you think about those people reading through the Old Testament, they didn't know about this. Adam, he didn't know this mystery was coming. It was hidden during his lifetime. You think about David, a man after God's own heart. He didn't know this mystery was coming. You think about Solomon and all his wisdom, more wisdom than all of us combined. He did not know this mystery was coming. You think about Daniel, who was faithful for 70 years in Babylon. You don't read about anything wrong. He takes the stand for a stand. Uh, even when it comes to praying. And God did not reveal this mystery to him. It was hidden. You know, we know it today. And the fact that we know today what they didn't know then is, is a big fancy word, not really. Um, it's called progressive revelation. It's the teaching that God has revealed himself and his will through the scriptures with increasing clarity as more and more of the scriptures were written. Now, hear me. let me give you a couple quick examples. You read about in Genesis chapter one, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says later on, let us make man in our image. Well, you guys look at that. You say, I know what that's referring to, right? What is the word us and our referring to? It's referring to the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But when Moses wrote those words, as he was directed to, God didn't say, oh, by the way, Moses, let me explain to you what I meant by us and our. He just let him write those words. But we look today and say, we know more than they did because God has, through Scripture, chosen to reveal more and more to us. Think about Jesus. Does Jesus show up in the Old Testament? I'm seeing who's awake here. Yes or no? Yes, he does. But does the name Jesus show up in the Old Testament? No. So we, we, we can find references to it being there in the Old Testament. So you know 
it's coming, but it's progressive revelation. It gets revealed as we go through the New Testament that the name of the Messiah in the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament. That's the progressive revelation. And so we get to know things that they didn't know. And that's pretty cool. Uh, and, and as we go through life, we're going to, you know, we get to heaven. We're going to understand probably even more than what we did than we do right now. So it's not hidden anymore. But you know what? There are a lot of people out in the world that this might as well be hidden to. This mystery that through the gospel, Jews and Gentiles get saved, but also have this uh, part of the body of Christ, the church of the living God. There's a, there's, it might as well be hidden to a bunch of people out there. Because they have no idea. There are people out there who have no idea about the gospel. You say the gospel, is that like some religious music? Sounds good. You know, like the religious music and all that sound. You know, some people are going to think that. Some people are going to think, I really have no idea what is the gospel. I know the word Jesus. I hear it on TV as a bad word. You know, I, I hear people saying these names, but they don't know the name of Jesus, let alone that through the gospel, we get saved and we become part of the body of Christ. It might as well be hidden to them still because they don't know. They have no idea that they can be a part of the family of God. They have no idea how to become a part of it. It might as well just be hidden. And the thing, the sad thing is they don't know that they don't know about this. They're going through life thinking I'm doing, I'm, I'm a good spouse. I'm a good employee. I pay my taxes. Um, I'm a moral person. And they think I am okay. They don't know that there's something else that they need to know. And as we go through history, you know, each day is another day of history. You don't get to have it back and you, you get it. You can write down and say, this is what happened. It's history. We get farther and farther from this. The fact that that everybody knows about Jesus. Now we can say we live in the 21st century. You can find Jesus in Bibles everywhere. You can find Jesus on the Internet. You can find Jesus on TV. People are talking about it everywhere. But the farther you go, that gap of people who know about Jesus gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, Bible study, I was talking with Todd this week, talking about at some point, everybody knew about God. Everybody knew. Why don't they know about God now? You think about the beginning, Adam and Eve, they walked in the garden with God. And then what happened? They started getting, they, they might have knew about God and they told their kids, but then the gap gets bigger. People start moving away and they start having their own families and they start developing their own religions. Okay, we go with Adam and or, uh, Noah on the ark, right? They're the eight people who are saved. And from that point, you say, okay, we're starting again. Everybody should know about God from this point on. But what starts to happen? People start to move away. People, if you find the same thing in churches. We, I would hope that every, and I, I'm, I'm throwing myself in the same boat here, okay, so I would hope that if we, if the world survives another 200 years, that every every generation from your families, from mine, would be a follower of Jesus, right? I have two sons, they get married, they have kids, that their kids would follow Jesus, and then who they get married, and that, it would just expand all the way down until Jesus finally comes back, but that may not be the case, because I love Jesus, I marry 
somebody who doesn't love Jesus or somebody who's not really that interested in Jesus and I get married and I have kids and I'm happy and life is good and it starts to get watered down a little bit. God's not really that important. Church is, you know, put, reading the Bible, putting it into practice and it starts to get watered down and so my kids care about God less than I do. And they marry somebody else who cares about God less than and it starts to go to finally like why are we going to church? What is this book? I really don't know. And they kind of just forget about God altogether. Okay, so that, that's what's, that is what has happened ever since Noah's Ark. When, when you've had revivals, even in our own community, you've had that kind of thing. Everybody was on fire for the Lord, and it just slowly gets watered down. And people care less and less about this. So we can look and say, boy, everybody has an opportunity to know about Jesus. They, in a sense, they do, but there's... It, gets, it, just, it just isn't that same way. It's just really not as the way it should be because people are not doing what Paul did. They, did, they are not taking it and they are not passing it along. And that's where we get, what do we do with this? We know what the mystery is. We know that for, at some point it wasn't made known. Now we skip through here's the mystery and say, it's made known. Now what? What do I do with this? The mystery was shared, and that's what Paul did. He shared the mystery. Let me read verses 7 through 9. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am the least, I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So you have a group of Gentiles who are on the highway to hell who are now on the highway to heaven, how do they go from there to here? It was somebody telling them what they needed to know. That's what Paul did. He says, I am a servant. Now, what is a servant? Pretty simply, anybody can tell you what a servant is, right? It's somebody who, who does or says or goes wherever the boss man tells them to go. Pretty simple. Does, does a servant argue with the master? How well is that going to go? You don't argue with the, the master. Uh, do you complain and weasel your way out of it? Do you half-heartedly do your job? No, you do it the best that you can. You do exactly what the master tells you to do. If you want it to go well with you, right? Just, just in a worldly sense, a slave, and a, a, serv, a slave and a master or a servant and a slave, that servant or slave better obey. And that's what Paul says, that's what I am. I am going, I'm doing, I'm saying exactly what I should be doing and going and saying. Now, it's really easy. You look at Paul and you say, well, duh, Josh, Paul should be doing this. He's a missionary. Paul has written several letters in the Bible. Uh, he, he was famous all throughout scriptures. But you know, Paul didn't see himself as something special. He didn't look and say, I'm the cream of the crop. Man, I should be out there doing this. Paul felt unworthy of this task. He says, uh, here he says, I'm the least, I'm less than the least of all God's people. How do you get lower than low? That's what Paul is feeling. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9, it says, I'm the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. He was running around, chasing down Christians, hauling them off, putting them in prison, casting his vote saying, hey, this Christian should die. This one's not fit to live. And that's what he was doing. He says in 1 Timothy 1.15, 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Does, is Paul's opinion of himself way up here? No, it's way down here. He looks and says, I'm not worthy of doing this. But, but Paul's grateful for the opportunity to do this. He, he feels like this is a privilege to do this. He says, um, Although I am less than the least of all of God's people, the grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles. It's an honor for me to preach the message to the Gentile people. He's grateful for the opportunity that God didn't look on him and say, Yeah, Paul, you know what? You really did screw up in your life. Yeah, I'll let you into heaven, but that's it. You just sit in the corner and be quiet. He's, he's totally thrilled with the fact that he gets to do this. God chose to use Paul in spite of what he did. Now, if you're if you're if you're unaware what Paul's where he's at right now, you might picture Paul by the lake. Wow, this is a piece of cake. I got my, my boat I can go fishing in every day. I can stick my toes in the sand. Nobody's around. It's peaceful and quiet. I got the palm trees, I got the sunshine. That's not where Paul's at. Where is Paul? He is in prison, right? He's under house arrest. He's in, his, he's in a rented house, so it's better than jail cells. But he's chained hand-to-hand -hand with the guard all day long, 24-7. Every six hours, they get to go free, but he doesn't. And that's where Paul's at. And what is he saying? It is an honor to do this. It's by God's grace. I am blessed because I get the opportunity to make known to the Gentile people this great mystery. And he, in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Paul was literally a prisoner for the sake of the Gentiles. Paul was, uh, he was kind of fighting for his life. You know, there, there's all these Jews that are trying to persecute him, trying to put him to death. And he gets the opportunity to speak and he starts to explain what he's doing. And then he says the wrong thing. Acts chapter two or 22, verses 21 and 22. He says, this is what the Lord told me. Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. That was the wrong thing to say. He said that to a bunch of Jewish people. And the crowd listened until Paul said that. And then they tried to kill him. They said he is not fit to live. Well, all the guards took him and put him into prison. Ultimately, he ends up where he's at in Rome. So he is literally a prison for the Lord, saying it's a privilege for me to share this message that got me put in prison with the Gentile people. He's, he's excited for this. It's a privilege. Now I'm kind of curious. What do we do with all this? What do we do with all this information with this unwrapped mystery? Well, I want to point out three different things. There's probably a lot more things that you could uh, take to heart, and I hope you do. If God's speaking to you about something in here, I hope that you take that and solidify it in your mind and you do it. But the first thing I want to, to remind you is that you know the mystery. And other people do not. You know the gospel. You know that through the mystery that the, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body. You're saved through Jesus, and you join with brothers and sisters in Christ to be a holy living a temple for the Lord. You know the mystery, and other people don't. They don't know it. 
How are they going to know the mystery if you don't tell them? Or if I don't tell them? Or if somebody somewhere doesn't tell them? It's there. It's You guys have the opportunity to be in Darren's shoes. He had the mystery. He's, he's waiting until just the right time to give it to me. But he did. You have it. What are you going to do with it? You know it. There are people who do not know the mystery. Now, you might be feeling like, I, I think about over my life, Josh, I have screwed up. You know, um, but you got you to know what, what Paul said, you know. He was grateful for the opportunity. God didn't allow his past failures to make him disqualified from, from being used by the Lord. Your past fa failures are not going to disqualify you from sharing in this mystery or sharing this mystery with other people. Now, I know uh, we, we talked about with the perpetual praise about the sins. We talked about David. I... I I don't have to apologize to David and say, hey, I mentioned your sins all the time in church. Glad you don't know mine. But you know, sometimes you screw up and the whole world knows. Um, I'm going to try to quote something Scott told me several years ago that when you screw up, screw up in Plevna, everybody else knows that you did it before you're done or before you get home. Right? Some places it's like that. It is so obvious that you did something wrong. But that doesn't disqualify you. Yes, it might slow things down a little bit. You know, if you offend somebody, it might be a little bit more challenging to go to that person and present Jesus to them. But it doesn't disqualify you. you you've got to admit that you were wrong. You've got to talk about the grace that God had on you in spite of what you've done. But you are not disqualified. Uh, there was um, a, a professor I listened to once that was talking about going to the airport. And this is a Bible seminary professor, the one I mentioned in Sunday school, that uh, he, he would go to the airport for like six times in a row. He'd go and something would be screwed up with the flight and all kind of stuff. And he finally just let the, the person have it. Right? Because he was so mad. How come every time I come, it's like this? Well, he's sitting there. God, the Holy Spirit's working on him. Like, this was not the thing to say. So he takes his deep breath and he walks back to the counter and says, I'm really sorry that I did this. He said, I'm a Christian. You got to know I'm a Christian and I'm, this wasn't the right thing to do. And the other guy responded, well, guess what? I'm a Christian too. <laughs> so that's how I didn't respond to you in a negative way, but it didn't disqualify him. He just had to confess his sins to the Lord, go make it right. And then he could have been a witness to that guy. It didn't say you're, you're done. Okay. He, he was not disqualified. Number three, and I hope I hope this doesn't hit you like a ton of bricks, unless you need it to hit you like a ton of bricks. Your lack of desire to share the mystery doesn't let you off the hook from sharing the mystery. You know, it's, it's really easy to say, well, that's the preacher's job. He gets paid. Well, that's true. I do get paid. I get paid to be good, and you guys are good for nothing, right? I get paid to do this. The missionary gets paid to do this. So, yes, you should say it's my job, and it's their job. But really, it is not just our job. It is everybody's job. You can say, I, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I really don't know what to say. It's awkward. I don't want to be known as that person who's always bringing up Jesus. Blah. Right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you say, I don't know that. If you don't know it, get to know it. <laughs> right? It, it, you have it yourself. God didn't just give it to you to keep for yourself. Find somebody somewhere, somehow, to get this mystery out to them. Do it like a servant does. He doesn't argue. 
If you have a boss, you go argue with your boss, that probably doesn't go well. You know, we can, we technically can get away with whatever we want. I can say no to God if I want to. He's not going to come force my body to move and make my mouth move. He's not going to fire me if I don't. I mean, I guess he, in a way he can work it out that I get fired, but it's not that person to person experience like you, a servant has with their boss. So you can get away for a while with telling him no, but do it like a servant of, of Christ Jesus. You don't argue. God says, go, you go. God says, say, you say. God says, do, you do. And leave it up to him. Leave the results up to him. The servant doesn't complain or argue or weasel his way out or make excuses. We do. We know how to do that. But serving God, we are not supposed to do that. We need to be a servant or a slave like Paul says he is to God. We need to do exactly what God's asked us to do, exactly when he's asked us to do it, exactly how. And I realize that is not easy to do. But there's nobody in here who can say, that's not me. I, I don't know that stuff. I don't. I, I feel awkward with that stuff. I don't do that. Mm -mm. Sorry, you don't get off the hook. You are. You are one hundred percent as responsible as I am. As responsible as David Jeremiah is. As responsible as missionaries. It might come out differently in different people and that sort of thing. But you are just as responsible to do what it is that God's asked you to do. And I hope that you don't look at it like a drag. Great, I have to teach Sunday school. Great, I. Have have to go to Awana. Great, I have to give money. This is a privilege. It is an honor. Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. We are getting eternal life. He included us. Do it as, as do whatever you're doing, doing it as for the Lord. Look at it as a, a thank you, you know, a an appreciation for what he's done. An act of obedience, I think, is the best thing that we could do. But the choice is up to you. You know, God, God gave us this, this free gift. God gave us this message. He made this mystery known to us. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to keep the present in the box? You know, it's going to be under the Christmas tree this year and, and next year it's going to be put under the Christmas tree and the next year until finally somebody's brave enough to open it and see what it is. And then once you have it, are you just going to keep it? Or are you going to open the box and share it with other people? God gave us an unexpected gift. He wanted you to have it, but he wants you to share it with other people. So I just encourage you to take to heart what this is saying. It's a, Jesus is a reason for the season. It's a beautiful opportunity. It's a great time to reveal the mystery of Jesus and how we can be a part of the body of Christ with those around us. Let's pray, and I'm going to ask God to help us to do that too.